Hello and welcome to Downtime Podcast, episode 162. Today we will be talking about Ghost of Tsushima. Alisa, are you ready for this? I am ready for this. We both finished the game. We both really love this game. Oh. Um, we, we, If you haven't listened to us on previous podcasts, we're, we're speaking very highly of it. And so today we are going to talk about the storyline in this spoiler cast. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about this. It's it's a long time coming, and I'm really happy that we finally have this chance to sit down and just dish out the details. Exactly, exactly. Per spoiler cast etiquette, we are going to talk about the story and we're going to talk in depth about what happens. And if you haven't played the game yet, this speech of me talking, this monologue, is your time to stop listening to the podcast. And if you're still listening, then I'm going to assume that you've either played the game or you're just curious. But even if you're curious, you should play the game because it's very good. All right. And break. So, I know, Jeremy, when you were talking about how uh, we would do the spoiler cast, you were saying how you don't remember, like, there's, like, a lot of details that you don't remember of the game because you played it last year compared to me, who I played it pretty much the last two, three months. So, yeah, I know that you asked me to help you out in terms of uh, leading this podcast. So what I have here is I have a description of basically every main character of the game and I have a synopsis of what happens with each character or group of characters and then we can basically just talk about each one and then and then that's how we'll go from there. All right, let's do it. All right. So just to jog the memory. So, of course, this one is about Jin Sakai and Lord Shimura, but this is the main storyline of the game. So, I'm sure you don't really need that much jogging uh, just because it was the overarching line. So, what I have here is that Jin was trained by his uncle, Lord Shimura, after his father passed away, and he was trained to fight as a samurai after the Mongols invaded. Komoda Beach and took his uncle, Jin made a team, a ragtag team of all of his friends and allies to get his uncle back. And in the process of it, he learned new traits of the ghost and the ghost being kind of these more brutalist, ninja-like tactic battle, like, like, Tactics, tactical skills in terms of defeating your enemy, much more hidden, not as straightforward as just taking a samurai sword and you were dueling out with a person. So in getting back Castle Kaneda and Castle Shimura, he pretty much maxes out all of these traits to become the ghost to as what the island of Tsushima calls calls him and then mm -hmm. he 
frees his uncle. His uncle's back. They're figuring out how to defeat Kotun Khan, who is the lead Mongol. And throughout his journey, Jin realizes that being a samurai will not be the ultimate way that he defeats the Mongols. The Mongols are brutal and there's just more that just has to be done. So in his in his um, development in becoming a ghost, he learns how to poison people with a flower called Wolfsbane, which his uncle heavily disapproves of. And so he... But he decides, no, there's no way that we can even, like, defeat the Mongols without the Wolfbane. So he does. It backfires on Jin a little bit because Kotun Khan takes the Wolfbane and and the supply that Jin poisoned his group with. And he also learns how to make the poison to try and defeat the Japanese people on Tsushima. So... Pretty much Shimura is like super pissed. He doesn't like this new Jin and the new battle skills that he's adopted for himself, the ghost skills. And so him and Jin and Shimura go on their separate ways in terms of how to defeat the Mongols. And they come back, but they come back together in Kamagata when they have their final stand against the Khan. And they, of course, defeat the Khan. But What's revealed at the end of the game is that the shogunate and just everyone who is kind of part of this more samurai clan of government pretty much disapprove of everything that Jin's done. So he, so the shogunate orders Shimura to basically kill his kill his nephew with his head and as the last battle goes, Jin and Shimura is the final battle of the game, the final duel of the game. So cool. And yes. And of course, Jeremy, you can't talk about the final duel of the game without the ending. So right, right. just out of curiosity, what ending did you choose? I did both. For your game? Actually. You did both. Oh, you played both ways. Yeah. I wanted to see both endings. Um, but the one I chose first was um, to kill him. That's the one that I chose ultimately. I see. Yeah. And then I yeah. I'll go first. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, I do like the one where you spare him though, because um, he just walks away and he's like, ah, oh, like I am the ghost. I forget. He says something really cool, and then he just leaves. And um, I watched that one on YouTube, and I did. I liked. It was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. I remember watching the ghost after watching the ghost ending on YouTube. I was like, "Fuck, should I have just chosen the ghost because this was not w- the dialogue that I was expecting, and it was much more calmer than <laughs> than I than I thought it was going to be." But I I I, I still don't regret um, choosing killing Shimura in the end. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone has their reasons for choosing the one that they did. Mine was because he was so badly, like, messed up. I was like, all right, well, I feel bad for leaving you alive. I'm going to finish what I started. But then I kind of had a change of heart, and I wanted to see the the other ending. And, you know, I, I like both. 
But I feel like for me personally, the one where he spares his life is setting things up for a sequel more. And I think that's if they were mm-hmm. to make a sequel, that's what they would bounce the idea off of. I mean, not to yes. say that they can't bounce it off of the fact that Shimura is dead, but I feel like they can make Shimura the main antagonist of the next game uh, with uh, you know Jin being a rogue, like kind of like a Batman figure just running around doing his thing. Um, yes. But I think it'll be interesting. It'll be really cool to see uh what happens after this um and again yeah i kind of digress a little bit but i i i think that both endings have justified reasons agreed the reason why i chose to kill shimura in the end was it felt in my so for me you probably f- figure I would spare him on a normal basis, but it just seemed in that time and in that moment that Shimura was full-blown. He is a samurai for life, and when you lose the battle as a samurai, then you are properly killed. And at the end of the day, even though Jin like didn't want this to happen, he wanted his uncle to kind of see like you know sure i'm not a samurai anymore but what i did was to save our people like Mm -hmm. it like just because it's not the samurai way doesn't mean it's necessarily less wrong but ultimately shimura was a samurai and i chose to kill him just out of respect and yeah and there was a dialogue in the end that totally oh god i was like a mess at the ending where basically before Jin stabs him in the end pretty much they both acknowledge that they were each other's father and son that they never had and then of course and i was just like jesus christ don't do this to me please (laughs) i know and it was very poetic of course that the final battle is where you have your very first tutorial of the game, which is when Jin is, I don't know, 14 years old, and Shimura is teaching him how to fight as a samurai. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that whole scene setup was just very well done. You're going on this, you're going on your horses to, and I knew it was going to be the final battle. When Shim- when the final mission, Shimura was like, I wrote a letter, come meet me. I was like, oh, this is it. This is actually the end of Ghost of, Shush- Ghost of Tsushima. The real final boss. The real final boss. And I thought it was very well executed and made me sad. And I think it was fall during that battle. Too. Mm-hmm. and it, it 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 of course like the cinematography no matter what in this game no matter what's weather or location you're at is beautiful but man this is just it's just very unfortunate and you make your final haiku as well in that battle and i felt very depressed <laughs> in the end oh and then another reason why i felt like killing him would be the right thing to do at least for my understanding of the gameplay, is that if Shimura didn't return with Jin's head, then ultimately Shimura is also a rogue. Right, and, and that's just and, part of his code. Yeah, and then I was just like, yeah, my I'll just spare Shimura the trouble and kill him. But then, like I said, it, watching the YouTube ending, I was like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But I still, I still don't regret it in the end. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. 
I would say I totally get it. I understand that Jin did go against a lot of the samurai code, but ultimately, let's be real, the samurai code would not have killed the Mongols. In my opinion, at least. Right, right. So, so I, I mean, like, ultimately, I was always on Jin's side, but let's be real, uncle. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I mean... I think maybe the uncle knew that, but he also was so so much into the belief system of of the samurai code that he would stop at nothing to ensure that his way was the right way when they won. And um, from from dialogue in the game earlier, it just seemed that, of course, you mentioned earlier that how his you know Chimura was disappointed in in Jin's actions. And he wanted Jin to become a better man, a better samurai. And it clearly showed that Shimura would sacrifice a lot of men just to win, you know, across that bridge at that one point. When, exactly. Yeah. And he would he would stop at nothing to ensure that the samurai code was was the way to beat the Mongols because it was their only way. But it turns out, no, there was another way, but it was sneakier and a lot, um, a lot yes. more uh, uh, dirty uh, in a way that, you know, is not honorable, which, you know... I, I played almost every battle. I think you mentioned this on a previous podcast where you played almost every battle in the ghost mode because I, I had a lot more fun sneaking around, around as well. Um, yes. And I don't know. There was just something weird about walking up to the fortress or little camp and being like, come fight me. It's like, okay, exactly. Sure. Which, <laughs> which in a Which in a way is pretty poetic to how you play the game and what the story comes up with. It is easier to infiltrate the farmsteads, to infiltrate the Mongol territories, starting off ghost first. And then if you want to duel, it's easier to duel when you're down to the last three people of that lot or that area. Right. And then, on the, you know, on the topic of the poison, <laughs> what, good God, when you get the poison and the hallucination darts, you never have to go into a duel ever again. <laughs> when you are battling for the for your territory because all you have to do is get everyone to kill each other and then you can even pull a hallucination dart on the general himself who will help kill everyone for you and then just poison the general or you know assassinate him so it's just like it is easier to play the game as ghost which i which ultimately is kind of what the story is all about Right, it's not called <clears throat> it's not called Samurai of Tsushima. It's called Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but that was also one of my favorite points too. Was to um, make the general kill everybody in the camp, and then just yes, and just it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and he was the only one left, and I would just be like, "All right, now how do I deal with this? Poison or stab in the back?" Hmm. <laughs> so cool. It's just it's just yeah. so cool. The whole the whole darts thing was a game changer when you received it in Act Two. I know I, oh. now now there's no other way I can even infiltrate a territory without it. What was the the woman's name? Y- Yurie Yuriko. What was her Yuriko. name? Yuriko. Yuriko. Okay. Yeah. Yes. She she changed everything <laughs> with those exactly. darts. Exactly. <laughs> she, she was a game changer. Because now yeah. let's now let's talk about Yuriko now and for her description. So. She is from Omi Village, which is where Jin grew up. And 
her purpose is that she protects the Sakai clan armor of his dad, Kazumasa. And then part of Act 2 is Jin is going to reclaim the Sakai armor. In his journey, he meets Yuriko and Yuriko, and then pretty much gets the armor back. But after getting the armor back, he learns from Yuriko how to poison people with flowers. Even though Yuriko is reluctant to teach him she still does with Jin, of course with Jin's reasoning that ultimately this will just help them kill the mongols and this is uh, this is a pretty sad side story because what happens after yuriko teaches how to poison you you know she's she is really old and she's starting to lose her memory and she has some dementia so the last time that Jin meets yuriko she thinks that Jin is Kazumasa. She thinks that Jin is his dad. Right. And so in the last journey, it's basically Yuriko thinking that it's Kazumasa who returned back to her um, and and, and them going on a date. And you pretty much find out that Yuriko was his ex-lover. And in the last moments, Jin realizes this and is just, and just pretends for Yuriko's sake as Yuriko dies mm-hmm. thinking that she was spending time one last look at a, at a sunset with Jin's dad and, I, and at that at that end I was like Gee, Jesus Christ this is depressing oh man it was so sad it was really really sad I I was that- um, when she like flopped over I was like oh <laughs> I wanted to cry yeah, there's quite a few heartbreaking uh, character stories, and this is one of them, uh, especially because the the last the last mission with her isn't really trying to kill any Mongols or anything. It's just you're following her through a journey to I think a a hot spring. You're going to a hot spring, and it's where she had her best day of her life with Jin's dad, mm-hmm. and. She just thinks that she's with him in her final moments, and it, man, it, it, you know. But I always have a soft spot for kind of the elderly and the old people. So this was, this was one of my favorite side stories for sure. Yeah, it 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 definitely hit the feels for sure. Yes, very much did. And another character who's very closely related to Jin's journey as becoming the ghost is uh, Yuna and Taka. So to talk about Yuna and Taka, uh, they're, Yuna essentially throughout the game is Jin's closest friend and confidant for basically the whole Mongol invasion. She's she's the right she's the ride or die yeah, essentially. She rescued him in the very yes. beginning because he almost dies. He should have yes. died, let's be honest. But, you know, obviously there would be no game if he died. Um, exactly. Uh, she rescued him and and she got his weapons back. And ever since then, yeah, she's been by his side and she's been like his his voice of, of reason in a lot of things. Not to mention in act in the final act, Yuna once again saves Jin when he has no weapons and he's pretty downtrodden and he's in the snowstorm. So Yuna saves Jin on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. And Yuna, for her backstory, uh, used to be a slave with her brother Taka. And 
what you're doing in the tale of Yuna is you're basically getting revenge on the slave traders that kidnapped you and your brother when you were young, the main one being the Black Wolf. And on top of that, Taka is also a weapon maker and he's also a swordsmith. He helps you build um, the... the claw what is it the claw to help you climb the mountain uh, the grappling mountains. hook grappling hook i was like what is the what is the word i'm looking for and then and just all of these things and what like you know really is a ride or die but but also taka is really supportive of Jin and follows Jin just as his sister trusts him to the point that Taka is willing to fight for Jin even though Taka is not a trained fighter he is you know essentially he's just a swordsmith and he really doesn't like know much and Yuna knows this and Yuna refuses for him to fight in any battle but of course as you know in the as you know at the end of act 2 Jin decides to poison um, the Mongolian water supply, or it's not even water supply, the milk supply, and um, and Taka decides to be a distraction, and by being the distraction, the Mongols capture him, and he's killed. Yeah, and that was depressing, and. Just really upsetting because before that, Yuna tells Jin, I'm sorry, but my brother and I were trying to get back to the mainland because we're going to start new lives. And then ultimately, Taka, like, before going back to, assuming before going back to the mainland, just like, I need to do one last thing for Jin, ultimately sacrificing himself and it and then Yuna no longer has no reason to go to the mainland just sticks with Taka sorry sticks with Jin and then helps defeat the Mongols and helps to honor Taka's legacy and to be completely honest if i was Yuna we would not be friends after my brother died yeah exactly especially because Taka died indirectly because of Jin but I, it really goes to show how much of a ride or die Yuna really was right she was willing to let her brother do what he wanted even though she wanted to leave with him exactly it was insane like she should they should have just left but i know <laughs> they should have left they were so close <laughs> i think i think going into it yuna knew what was gonna happen but at the same time so yeah i think at the same time uh she had to just accept it yeah I think so too. And pretty much she this was her fate. But also I don't but also um she accepts that she has to be one of the defenders of her Tsushima land against the Mongols. Yeah. She I, it's it's a heavy burden to bear, but like you know, I guess setting up for a sequel, right? <laughs> yep, setting up for a sequel. Man. Which to be, which Yuna would be a great protagonist as well. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that they choose Yuna. Yeah, that would be that would be great. I you see, I would rather have a video game sequel over a TV show. Just saying. Yeah. Um, 
they're also talking about how uh they could make a game about Tomoe because she remember she escaped. Yes. Um, and and just on the topic of Tomoe and Ishikash, I- Ishikawa, um Ishikawa is a trained archer and Tomoe was her was his best pupil and was just on track of being the next great greatest archer. But it turns out that throughout their journey, you find out that Tomoe and Ishikawa disagreed on a lot of things. And Ishikawa put a lot of pressure on her, which is one of the factors of why she turned against him and went with the Mongols. Ultimately, in the end, the Mongols betray her and she goes into hiding for a little bit in Kamagata and in the and then they go to Umugi Cove but Tomoe like you said Tomoe is about to escape to the mainland and Ishikawa is about to kill him but he chooses not to after reading a final letter right which, which is essentially Tomoe saying like we didn't get along but you know you're still my teacher yeah and i learned a lot from you it was it was an interesting little side story because you never really saw her like you see her a couple times but then she escapes but every time <laughs> yeah every single time and you don't really talk to her like there's a couple like points when she voices some things to you and expresses some things to you but then other than that she's just gone um until like it's like towards the beginning is when you have like a, a small uh encounter with her and then she just jumps off a cliff and then at the end when she's gone i was like wow this is this is crazy um something i really liked about uh, ishikawa sensei and her uh storyline was that in the beginning it makes it sound like she's the the bad person in this in this thing like oh she turned and she now she works for the mongols and she's going to you know she's going to teach them everything like that's bad like oh yeah okay that's bad like that's very black and white right but then over yes. time you find out okay actually sensei shikawa was being very unreasonable with her and correct it, it shouldn't he shouldn't have said those things even jin has expressed that like oh you're not supposed to say that or you shouldn't have told her that and Ishikawa Sensei is like, why? But I wanted to. Like, I, I should have told her. Like, I, I did that because I had to. Like, some stupid reason like that. And a lot of these, uh, all these little sub-story characters, minus a few other characters, but a lot of them are, like, complicated. You know, they're all, they're very gray. Yes. Nothing is black and white, which I thought was really cool because it gives the player something to, um, to think about. And, you know... As a, I guess as a young adult playing this game, you might not fully grasp that or might not fully realize it. But as adults, we will we'll look at this and be like, wow, these characters are morally conflicted in a lot of ways. Um, they don't really know which direction they're going to go in. So I thought it's I thought it was really cool that, uh, you know, like essentially this story was known for that. Agreed. Ishikawa's tale was my favorite tale of all the characters that you have to work with, especially because of that gray area in which finding out that Ishikawa did verbally abuse Tomoe a lot. 
and to- and Tomoe as a pupil was really trying hard to work with Ishikawa but just eventually was pushed away and so I re- and I also what I really like is when you finally get to talk to Tomoe in the end it's in act three in the final act when she's kind of like she's already been betrayed by the Mongols you kind of understand more of her story and you know like she escapes of course but I liked that Ishikawa didn't shoot her in the end yeah, yeah. It it all made sense narrative-wise, but like it seemed like such a long journey just to get to her because you had to go through different parts of the island and there was like different seasons that were going by and I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. <laughs> I think that... So, Ishikawa... Ishikawa's storyline, um, all of the tales had nine missions in each of them, but I think in terms of spanning the island Ishikawa's is the longest because you get to the final missions in the final island in the final part of the island whereas for I feel like with Masako and Yuna you can finish their missions like fairly earlier than Ishikawa's Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the storyline yeah so th- this was definitely more drawn out, but I thought this was the best storyline of the of the characters. I agree. Um, and I, personally, I felt like Kenji's was the least. Um, I don't know. Yes. The the least uh, engaging of all of them. Because definitely Kenji's was more comic relief of just kind of being he because he was just more. With Kenji, he was kind of the more lovable, like, sake seller who turns out has been jipping a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Jin just has to save him in a lot of different situations. But in terms of depth of storyline, Kenji's was much more of comic relief, I think. Agreed. I mean, Kenji was just there to provide some color to to this serious tone. Of of a game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, let's go on to Masako, who is another archer, and she's part of the Adachi clan. And what her storyline is about is she's the only survivor left of her clan. Like, her sons, her brothers, like, everyone she knows is dead. And... This whole story is avenging her family and killing everyone and confronting everyone who killed her family members. Mm-hmm. And then there is a monk named Junshin who we are to assume is one of the main people who conspired to kill all of Moscow's family and the Adachi clan. We, when we corner Junshin, we find out that the real conspirator of all of her family's deaths was her own sister Hana and you find out that Hana is the older sister who is seeking revenge because while Masako was trained to be a fighter um Hana was sent off to be married to this drunkard and abuser um while Masako eventually became an elite fighter and the whole time what this was another gray area story because Masako, her whole entire life, thinks that Hana has it all. Like, she's living in this rich 
estate. Um, she's she married someone from the war who I, I think is from the war who is nice. And she thinks that Hana has the best life. But from Hana's point of view, Masako pretty much sent her away. In fact, I think that Masako even married the person that Hana was supposed to marry at first. But I don't remember something if that like was that. The case. Yeah. Yeah. And so ultimately, in the end, Hana kills herself and Masako has a formal burial like for her sister and realizes exactly what happened. Yeah. And it also turns out that Masako had feelings for somebody else while she was still married. Yes. There's a lot of things that you find out um, where... Sure, of course it's really bad that Moscow's family was killed and murdered and all of these different things, but throughout her life she did do a lot of things that ultimately pissed her sister off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, another example of a gray area story. It was very now, cool. Now, yeah, now what I what I like about this storyline as well is um this story and Ishikawa's had the most variety in terms of the locations that you're going to. So Masako's, a lot of the stuff takes place on the cliffside and on the beaches, which I thought was cool because otherwise I would have no reason to go to the beaches of Tsushima. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I do enjoy the scenery that happened with this storyline. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then next we have Norio and my boy Norio. Yeah. Who is, oh my gosh, the uh, super, one of my favorites, um, warrior monk who fought, who helped fight against the Mongols with his whole group and his whole group includes his brother Enjo. Now what ends up happening is Norio is one of the, if not the only survivor after pulling a mongol attack and so he enlists Jin to help him pretty much find all the people in his group in his monk group and you know just reunite everyone and essentially what happens is in finding everyone at these temples the mongols end up killing all of his friends and unfortunately we find his brother Enjo at a final temple, amputated, and Ugh. Norio, which was just devastating, and Norio and Enjo have their final time together before Norio gives him a mercy kill after finding out Enjo had been tortured this entire time. Norio is pissed and burns down the whole village of where the Mongol general that killed his brother Enjo lived, and... What a lot of this storyline has to do with is, you know, as a monk, you know, seemingly you shouldn't be living your life in hatred, but he succumbs to that in the end when he burns down the Mongol village after finding out about his brother and just is not in peace with himself as he expected. Everybody's morally gray. Yes. It's awesome. I know. What, what a little bit of symbolism that I liked with this storyline is there was a there was a random mission where you're in the temple, 
And Norio goes, yeah, so the Buddha statue is missing here. So we need to find it. And so that that simple mission was just finding the village where the Buddha statue was stolen. And then when you put the Buddha statue back at the chapter marker, like the chapter title card when it ends, it's just Norio looked seemingly at peace and Jin, you know, like praying in front of the Buddha temple. And it's just like he's at war with just his life as a monk and his life as a warrior and ultimately when it comes down to his close family and friends it's just you know it's too much for him yeah yeah and the last character we have to talk about today is the ultimate betrayer of them all ryuzo ah now, let me tell you, Jeremy, this was a, a very disappointing betrayal in Act 1 when I realized what was going on. I was just so upset. Um, so Ryuzo, childhood friend, but you find out that when the two of them sparred, Jin was always the superior person, and so... Because Ryuzo just, like, could not be the samurai that Jin was, that's why he became a ronin. And then now he has his own ronin group called the Straw Hats. Now, what ends up happening is the Straw Hats are, like, super hungry, all of these things. So Ryuzo sides with the Mongols, and Ryuzo tries to kill Jin, and all of these different things. And, um, but you find out throughout the story that even though Ryuzo is siding with the Mongols and cart and cartoon Khan um, is tr- basically saying, okay, you need to kill Jin now. Ryuzo has been stalling his death as much as he possibly can. So he is on the side with the Mongols, but he is not immediately carrying out the act of killing Jin. Of course, until the beginning of the final act or not beginning, but the end of act two where Jin and Ryuzo have one final duel after the poisoning, and Jin kills Ryuzo. Mm-hmm. Now, what upsets me about this is when I met with the Straw Hats, I was so gung-ho into the Straw Hats. I was like, dude, the Straw Hats are legit. Yep. I love their outfits. Yep. They ha- They literally have the best outfit of the game. Yep. They have these cool hats, and their masks are awesome. And I was just like, oh. This is so cool. Like, I can't wait to dress up as a Ronin. And this is just good. Like, and by the way, I was a Ronin at least 80% of the time Same. in my gameplay. Same. Yeah. Oh, yep. my God. The, the sneaking, the sneaking power. Exactly. The sneaking power in the grass and, the and you know, just not being detected is just crucial for invading any territory. And I was just like, yes. So, like, I'm here for the Ronin life. And then at the end of Act 1, I was like, are you kidding me? He, and they all didn't betray show me. Yeah. And they didn't show up. Ugh. And a little, you know, I get it. There there was jealousy there the whole time. Uh, Ryuzo, uh, all, this is one of those situations too, just like Uncle Shimura, where Ryuzo accuses Jin of basically like, you abandoned the samurai code. But it's just like, what else is Jin supposed to do? He's literally about to lose. Yeah, but it, you know that that was a kind of an a, a tr- that was a very tragic ending 
they they didn't really have like when 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 Jin kills him, there's no real like you know, I cherished our time as a friend or you know like any kind of honorable saying. Basically Ryuzo was just calling Jin out for becoming a ghost and then he dies. Yeah. But that was a that was definitely um a vi- like that was a plot twist all right. And you know in the wild meaning like when you're just like riding through Tsushima Straw hats are very difficult to kill. Oh my god. I, I actively avoided them whenever I would see them from like a distance away. Yeah. If you can't if you can't get your um your dual like not your dual meaning, if you can't get your quick kill with um with any straw hats in the wild and just like string three um three dual deaths in a row, there's no point in defeating the, there's no point in trying to fight the straw hats. You should just run away at that point. Yeah, they're pretty hard. Yeah, they're super difficult. None of my parries worked. Yep. I swear to God, like I, I was just like, how even am I supposed to, to kill half of these straw hats? They were very difficult to fight. Yeah, um, like I tried to use a variety, of, a variety of different stances on them, and none of them seemed to to work. I even like Never. even the non-sword ones. I was like, I'll see if this happens. No, they'd always like kick my ass, and I'm like, why? Yes, exactly. Always kicks your ass. The stone, the stone, the seemingly stone stance, which is supposed to work for sword fighters, just doesn't work. It just doesn't matter on straw hats. Mm-hmm. But I agree. There came a point where I gave up on the straw hats and I would just never try to fight them unless I had to. Yeah, whenever they would spot me, I would just be on my horse just riding away like, no, <laughs> go away. Yep, like peace. Um, Speaking of horse, what did you name your first horse? And it's sad because they die. I grew so attached to my first horse. Yeah, it was uh, when that final journey when your horse dies in act two was just so i was so heartbroken (laughs) same sora no Mm, okay oh man yeah wow like how i was like are you kidding me and then on top of that like in half of act three you're just on a fucking random horse i'm like you're not sora please get away from me (laughs) yeah you you look and talk like that other horse but you're not exactly it was just disappointing so I named Sora um for the first a- for the first act and then in the final act when you're able to get back at least like the horse breed and type of your first one I named the last one Nobu. Oh nice. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh the first one I got was um Nobu which means truth in Japanese which is awesome. Yes. And then the second one, I grew so attached to Nobu. Oh, man. I loved Nobu so much. I was like, Nobu, come Aww. here. I was like, this is so cool. And when Nobu died, I was so, so sad. And I was so angry. I was like, oh, no. I can't believe they're going to do me dirty like that. And then when I got my new horse. I named it Kage, which means shadow. Nice. Yeah. Um, I wanted... It was a reflection of my, my teen angst. No, I'm playing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because like you know i was like okay we're this is definitely the end game and i want to name my horse something that was uh you know something that was like 
reminiscent of Appropriate how I felt. Appropriate to the time you're at with the game. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And I felt like there was a large shadow hanging over me and I was just so sad. So I named him Kage and I was like, this is perfect. And it's going to be a black horse. <laughs> Makes sense. Adding to the ghost, you know, mythos. Very nice. Yeah. I have the deluxe version of the game, which comes with a different type of horse, but the, it has a really cool saddle. So I, I stuck with the deluxe version of the horse the whole time, which was like a dark brown. Nice. That's awesome. Yes. I like the saddle. It was blue. It, it was it was pretty cool. Dope. And then um, in terms of just kind of my outfit, like I said, I was a Ronin majority of the time. But then when I wasn't a Ronin, I would use the Sakai clan armor just because I thought that like kind of the scale type of armor looked really cool. I, I from the trader, I actually got the white version oh. of the Sakai clan armor. So in every major battle... So- what I would do is I'm basically a Ronin, but in any major storyline battle, including like the the last mission of both Act 2 and Act 3, I went to this white Sakai clan armor and then I forgot the type of katana and um, katana that I had, but it was like this super rainbowish, like scaly type t- texture and fabric. Yeah. And so it's like, so it's like my armor was white but all of my weapons were colorful. Yeah, that's so sick. I I don't remember the name of the die, but I remember seeing it and I was like, yes. Yeah. So that's the aesthetic I went with for Jin. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I also dabbled with the colors. When I found out you can dye things black and white, I made all of my ghost stuff like deep black if it wasn't nice. already black. And I was basically playing the role of Batman. And then when I was not doing that, I, w- I like to wear white and have yes. you know appropriately appropriately colored matching swords, but then you know every now and then I'd bust out like a sword with a sheath that had uh, an animal theme or print, and then you know just just mess around with that because like the game gives you so many different like options and colors and stuff, um, especially if you like do all the haikus, then you have all the different colors like headbands. And so, like, I wanted to make as much use of all the different things that I got instead of just being like, eh, that one looks all right. Like, I wanted, I wanted to actually wear it because it was cool, you know? A lot of the designs are really cool, and I'm sure they're all inspired by different um, samurai mythos and lore. So I wanted to explore and see what kind of different color combinations would work perfectly. Agreed. I played around with the fabric so much and just messed around with which dye I did with what outfit, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I like switched out my Ronin dyes at, like every day just because I really enjoyed uh, the type of fabric that was used. Yes, and the and the different patterns. I was I wanted to experience it all. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now. My one of my only critiques of the game is that for all of the side missions, at the end of the day, it is a mission where you have to kill a Mongol or you have to kill a bandit. Now, that being said, I don't have a solution of what other type of side story is kind of like, um, get. I don't have an idea of what the gameplay for the for side stories could be to mix it up. I mean, like maybe you could do more. One of the reasons why I like the musician 
side stories and a lot is because during those missions, a lot of it is kind of puzzle. It feels like it's kind of more puzzle finding and puzzle solving where you have to find the specific flower and from there follow the path. And then when you're climbing the cliffside, it's as if you're flying, not flying, as if you're climbing kind of like for the, uh, for the for the shrines it's like it's kind of like figuring out what the path is so it, it that one felt more like it was super accomplishing when you finished a mission uh, a musician mission because there was just so much that you had to do whereas a lot of the side stories i think were just ultimately like go to this place and the mongols are there and you have to kill them there's not as much variety in side mission mm-hmm. yeah because definitely because i remember one of the first ones you did for the musician was you had to like hide in like the forest or like find like follow the torches or something in the forest to find uh you know the 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 evil spirit but it's actually just a bunch of bandits who are scaring scaring everybody like I remember that one Yeah that one was really cool and I was that like was okay cool. Yeah yeah it wasn't just a run and and kill because you didn't know if the spirit was real or not you're like okay how far into like how far um like uh mystically is this game gonna go and you're like actually okay there aren't really spirits it's just a bunch of bandits that's kind of fun yeah and what i liked about that whole scene was the forest that you're in is pretty foggy and it was it was at night and there were a lot of fireflies so it really added to the mysticism of what the storyline could possibly be for that mission Mm mm-hmm there was a similar um there was a similar musician story that actually I feel like there's like two stories that kind of like are in the realm of mysticism. So there's that one and then there's another one where you have to um it's kind of I think it is actually the same concept where you're basically finding like this path of there's a bunch of there's a bunch of mongols and like um innocent Japanese people being killed and you have to figure out like you have to follow the incense of like who's killing what and then it ultimately leads to this fi- like firefly area once again so it's kind of like same co- same concept um and i really i really liked those missions because it felt like i was hunting for something yeah so much more challenging to figure out yeah i agree overall i very much enjoyed this game a lot it was totally worth my time i like i said i'm still on this journey to eventually hopefully platinum it by the end of the year we'll see what happens but i just think this game is wonderful i agree uh this is a very easy game to platinum it took me just a couple hours to platinum it once i finished all the regular stuff i was doing yes um like once you do all the main story mission stuff and you get all the trophies for that, like all that comes naturally because you're just playing the game, right? But then there's yes. a, there's a couple other things like find this, find all the flags, like all the the Sashimono banners. Those can be kind of hard to get to, I gotta say, because um, some of them are like in weird places and you have to find a way to get up there. Um, mm-hmm. But after that, like it's easy sailing and you can easily platinum the game and be like, all right, another platinum in the bank. Yes. I'm looking forward to just kind of like collecting everything. I, I feel like I'm really close to fin- to conquering all the territories. I think I only have seven left across all of Tsushima. 
pretty sure there's a trophy for like completing that and then yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just adds more you're just playing the game you know it just adds more to 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 the the counter to getting yep. the plat in fact i think there is a trophy for each section that you that you conquer so there's three possible trophies that you can get makes sense yeah but i i love the game I I hope that everyone else really liked it as much as we did. Um, I, I keep saying this, and it's true. This game's way better than The Last of Us 2. Oh, my God. The music is so good. The yeah. characters are so good. Like, everyone's conflicted morally, and yes. like I keep saying. Like I, and, you know, The Last of Us 2 has a lot of this stuff as well. But there's just... With this game, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know a lot of people don't want the same thing over and over again. But I'm telling you, like, you might think, okay, Jin's the good guy. He's going to save the day. He's going to do all this stuff. It's really not like that. Even Jin is morally conflicted. Like, he's he's definitely yes. good. He's lawful good. But there are times when he dips into, like, lawful bad or, like, you know, like, neutral or even just bad. Um, yeah. And the, and the entire like end of the game is based around his moral conflict morally conflicted choice. Do you kill your uncle or do you let him live? Like if, if that's not gray, then I don't know what is because exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so good. Like every choice you make is, is, is really telling on, on the way that you want to play the game and that's fine, you know, but yeah, it's so good. I can't recommend this game enough. It's so fun. 100%. And the way that you use your horse is just... The best ever in any game. Exactly. It is the best horse mechanics I've ever played with. Like, you can collect stuff on your horse. You don't have to get off your horse, then collect a thing and get back on. Like, oh my god. I I was so annoyed with Breath of the Wild when I had to get off my horse and do stuff. Like, come on. Let me stay on my horse. (laughs) Come on. Like, I was so used... I was spoiled by the uh, Ghost of Tsushima horse mechanics. So... I hope other developers look at this and be like, all right, this is how we do horses because man, it's just so good. It it was so yes. like refreshing to see that. Incredibly streamlined. And what I like what I like about the battle system is that I feel like I'm working towards something. So the battle system is in my opinion one of the hardest battle systems to get into. But once you figure it out, I was I I felt super accomplished. Mm-hmm. When when I figured out the flow of switching stances, when I figured out the flow of pulling ghost moves, all of these things, it it was just very satisfying. In the end, and I'm going into the final mission, and I I'm not gonna lie, I went into the final mission being like, oh yeah, I'm totally like I totally got this, <laughs> like I'm ready to go. So there, it's very fulfilling figuring out the battle system of Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, exactly. And not gonna lie, I I I died a few times on the final boss because it was yeah. pretty tough. Yeah, um, I died a few times with uh, Shimura, but I with with Kotun Khan, I was able to get that in one try. But it, but I also owe it to my flaming arrows that yep. helped save the day yeah so. same Kotun Khan was so easy but Shimura oh yeah. my god he was so hard <laughs> I 
But that is all I have to say about the Ghost of Tsushima. Do you have anything else, Jeremy? No, not really. But all I got to say is, if you haven't yet, please play the game. Um, this was such a fantastic entry from a developer who is just known for making superhero games. Uh, that being the infamous series. I guess anti-superhero or anti-hero is, is what the those characters are. I'm not sure. I haven't played them. I've only heard about you know their their morality so when they pulled out something like this which was based on japan like ancient japan like you would be like what the heck this is so random but it's so good like i don't know it's just it's amazing it's so cool it kind of makes me want to play infamous but i also don't because this is like a work of art you know and this is like the last biggest ps4 release exclusive ps4 you know i know it's on ps5 but this was the last like actual PS4 game, and it's it's amazing. Um, load times were also surprising. Everything loaded extremely fast, and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was how. quick on my PlayStation as well. Yeah, and we, we have one like of the, the base versions. one. Exactly, we have the base PS4s, the first ones that came out, and the game loaded extremely fast. And the developers even said like they needed to add a little bit more loading time to the menu screens because people would not have enough time to read all the tips and tricks. Um, because the game would load faster than they can read it. And I was like, that is insane. But yeah. I also don't want them to extend the, the, the loading screen because I just want them to load the game. I just want to get into the game, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so my final thoughts are, please play the game. Let us know what you think in the comments. And um, yes. we will uh, hopefully have a, a, um, hopefully see a sequel in the future. Yes, and what's great about the ending is you can have a sequel on like a lot of different characters mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Yeah, a spinoff, so to speak. So exactly. Now, if you want to have any comments about the game, you can contact us at www.downtime.live where we have a contact form. We also have a Discord where you can join the Discord and let us know your comments there. We have an email at contact at downtime.live and you can comment to us wherever we have the podcast. So YouTube, Stitcher, Podbean. We are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please write us a review if you like this episode. Yeah, and we'll read that on the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Downtime Live. Um Leave us a comment there if you want to. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we'll read it. We, we retweet a lot of stuff. We, we pose a lot of questions. So if you guys want to give us a follow, see what's up, hang out. That's cool. That's cool. Yes. Um, also, another quick housekeeping thing. Alisa is going to be out following this episode. So it will be um, a few guest hosts. And I just want to reiterate that Alisa is still part of the podcast there's nothing going on. It's all work related. <laughs> I feel like I have to say this. Uh, there's no beef. <laughs> there's no beef. Only broccoli. No beef. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, this will be the last time until, I guess, June-ish is when uh, she'll be back on a regular podcast. Yes. But cool. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to Downtime Podcast Episode 162. Hope everyone's having a good day or night. See you guys next time. Peace.